I love the setup of First Samuel 16 as Alice just read it for us because it weaves deeply into Psalm 23. It's like a backdrop for Psalm 23 for us this morning because that's when we first meet King David and King David wrote the 23rd Psalm. So it it's this amazing moment where we see that um, it's... It's big picture. We see it throughout the scriptures that it all connects with one another. Verse 11 said, There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Oh, the sheep. What? Who tends sheep? Shepherds, right? Samuel said, Send him, and we will not sit down until he arrives. Now, I was picturing these men just standing here like this. We will not sit down until he arrives, right? And I thought, what in the world does that mean? So it actually becomes a great backdrop, not just for the 23rd Psalm for us, but also for our eat and eat. They weren't going to sit down and have dinner yet. That's what that meant. They weren't going to sit down and have the feast, the celebration of anointing a new leader. It's fun to think about how these two passages connect. And actually this week as Pastor Scott and I had been talking about it, we both started to laugh and we thought, well, of course, of course, these people that put the lectionary together didn't do it haphazardly. They actually thought about it. So of course, but it has been really neat to see how it connects so much with this blessed series and how God, even here, even in this day, is weaving together what we need to hear as a congregation. It is believed that David wrote the 24th, the 24th, the 23rd Psalm as an older man and not actually when he was the little young shepherd boy that was being anointed that day. But it was after a long life after he had experienced a lot of things. The 23rd Psalm is actually more of a reflection of David's whole life and how David could connect that deep feeling as a shepherd boy from way in the past to his whole life and how that had connected for him. He had a deep knowing inside of himself way down the road about how God is our shepherd. David is telling his story from a vantage point of understanding things from the depths of his soul, the depths of his life. Remember that first job you were trained for when you were really young? You'll never forget how you did it, right? Lifeguarding was mine. I I am still a lifeguard if we are near water because I will never forget what you have to do. Well, this week as I was watching the news, they were highlighting a rapper. Yes, I said a rapper. They were talking about his first song was actually written when he was 17 years old out of some, some horrible event that had happened in high school. As I listened to the news report, he's now 23, they started to talk about how he was so much more mature now because he had had a child. He had more depth and understanding to his his work now. Just six years later, he was writing from a much deeper place in his life. And it made me think it's similar with David. He's writing from a much deeper place and a knowing of the bigger picture in his life. And it also made me think, I think Psalm 23 would make a great rap. I'm not going to do it, but if anyone has it afterwards, I would love to hear it because I bet it's going to be good. As we walk through Psalm 23, we're going to process and think about how God provides for us, how he refreshes us, 
how he, he guides us. Sorry. He provides for us. He refreshes us. He guides us. He comforts us. And he calls us to feed his sheep. There it is again. Feed his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. It's almost as if you can see King David as an older man reflecting on his whole life and his years that he has, that God has cared for him and provided for him. In this one phrase, we see that God has met David's needs. Do you know anybody that has a deep need? I do. This is David's way of saying that God is the provider of all things. It's likely that David is actually remembering taking care of his own sheep and how difficult that was. Being a shepherd was a very common vocation in biblical times in Israel. And actually, years ago when I was visiting Israel, I saw a real live shepherd on the hillside. And I blurted out, is that a real shepherd? And our guide said, yes. And then I continued with my blurt, and I said, but is he a real shepherd? (laughs) And he said, no, Diana, we put him there today so we could drive by and see him. (laughs) It was a very deep and spiritual moment for me when I saw that shepherd on the hillside. It was biblical. I was seeing it, and all of those, those phrases from Scripture were coming to mind of when Jesus was seen as the great shepherd. They were tangible in that moment. The images flooded in like God is our sheep gate. God tends his flock. God is watching over his flock. These were deep, deep words for me all of a sudden. How the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. We are the sheep of his pasture. Sheep go astray. We are all like sheep and we've all gone astray. And somehow seeing this real live shepherd in Israel made all of this become very real to me. God is our great shepherd. He is always on that hillside with us, tending to us. David understood this at a much deeper place than I ever could. In that one line, David is proclaiming the years that God had provided in his life. A shepherd's life is not easy. Shepherds spend most of their time outside watching their sheep, no matter what the weather is like, And no matter what the time of day is, they often sleep near their flock. I can't imagine that would would be a good smell. But the reason they sleep so close is they are protecting their sheep. So each night, shepherds gather their flocks in something called sheepfolds. So this is just a picture of a sheepfold. They are usually made of stone, or sometimes they would be in caves and so they would they would push all of their their flock in well last year during the 30-hour famine we had a youth pastor who decided he was going to talk about the shepherd and he laid down on the ground and he laid down as if he were the sheep gate 
He was showing the students the sheep gate. And you saw from that picture, there was no actual gate. The shepherd laid down and fell asleep in that sheep gate. Now, as a youth pastor, I had a sleepwalker once, so I used to have to sleep in front of the the most scary door, whatever that door was. That's where I slept to protect the flock, right? Christ protects the flock. He told us that the shepherd would lay down across the doorway so that no one, none of his flock would be hurt. Now, it's interesting to me because a whole year later, I'm actually remembering a sermon. It's because he laid down on the floor and I thought it was weird. But it was amazing in that moment when I thought about that. Parker's nodding his head. He's like, I remember that. It was weird, right? As I went back this week to John 10, I saw a verse that I hadn't processed before. So um, John 10, 16 jumped out at me, but I'm going to give you a little context before I just jump to John uh, uh, 10, 16. In the 15 verses before that, Jesus is talking about knowing the sheep. Like he, he knew them. He knew them. He knew what they were probably going to do. They were bold and beautiful little sheep who would do whatever, and he knew, he knew them well enough to know which way they would go. Jesus, in this passage, is talking about wanting to be in relationship with them. And so he was bringing them into the sheep pen to stay in relationship with them, to keep, keep them alive. And it says in, in verse 16, I have other sheep that are not in this pen yet. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and they shall be one flock and one shepherd. That sounds like evangelism to me. Yes? They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus said, I must bring them also. Now, I feel like these next six weeks, as we think about this blessed series, we are really going at it. And we are thinking about how to draw people into the sheepfold to know and love Jesus. But this is long term. This is big picture. This isn't just for the six weeks. But I love God's words when he said, I must bring them into the sheepfold. Psalm 23 verse 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. Shepherds are constantly on the move, finding food and water for their sheep. When food supplies are scarce, shepherds move their herds to the mountain pastures in the hot summer and to the warmer valleys in the winter. Now, this got me thinking about the BLESS initiative yet again. Today, we're focusing on the letter E in BLESS. Three weeks ago, we named our three to five people that we are beginning with prayer. Last week, we talked about listening with care to these people. And this week is about eating together. Now, I'm drawn to think about eating together with someone could be a way of letting someone know that God provides I think it is great for us to remember that we get to be hands and, the hands and feet of God during this, this initiative, but we always get to be God's hands and feet in our lives. 
We might want to use, he might want to use you to show someone else the shepherd is a great provider. When I was a young youth pastor, I remember a very clear moment in my life of seeing God provide for me, provide everything. I knew at that young age, I, like the sheep, could not provide for myself. When I took my first youth ministry position about 20 years ago, I bought a house as a young 25-year-old single woman. I had figured out my budget to the penny so that I could afford it, well, if I had a roommate, of course. But I realized I could make it happen. After living in my townhouse for one year, as luck would have it, my home became more valuable. So my taxes went up. This normally should be good news, right? However, I knew I did not have the budget to support it. I had decided that if I don't go grocery shopping, I'll be fine. (laughs) Great solution, right? Well, my pantry was like most of yours. You really could probably eat out of your pantry for weeks. Check when you go home. Full of random boxes of, and cans, I decided that's what I was going to do and that was going to be my solution. To this day, I'm still not sure who did it. But one day as I approached my office, there were two bags of groceries right outside my office door. That morning, I had just realized I had one package of ramen noodles left. I was amazed at how God provided for me in that moment. I will, sh- I will say that that year was over and over again watching God provide for me in ways that I did not know how he was going to do it. You do not know what you might be doing if you take someone to lunch or offer them over to come over to your house and have dinner. You don't know what might happen to their faith that day when you invite them. My faith is different today because of those two bags of groceries. I can still see them. I never would have gotten that out of simply reading about God being my provider. But I know it was him. I'm asking you to take the risk in these next few weeks. Ask God to show you who are we supposed to invite over for dinner? Where am I supposed to drop off those two bags of groceries? Maybe slip a gift card in someone's mailbox and then maybe invite them to that same restaurant later. Be creative. Inside your bulletin, there is a little page that says a bit, has a big E on it. And it gives you space to brainstorm ideas. Maybe you could do it as a family. Think about who could, who could we invite? Where could we drop off some groceries? Where, where could we send a gift card? Listen to God and then follow through on what he's asking you to do. And after you've done that, Let God tell you the next step. Those people never told me. Never told me that they were the ones that dropped off the groceries. I've never been able to say, you know, you changed my faith that day. 
I now live and lead out of the truth that God is my provider. I now will always stand in the place of knowing and believing that God will provide for me even when it looks bleak. God used someone to feed me when I was 20 years old. So when my husband lost his job in 2015, I knew God was still going to provide. And you know what? He did. And you know what? He used some of the people in this room to do that. We are living in a world where people are seeing a lot of bleakness and they need to see God. When life looks bleak, we need to refresh our souls. Verse 3, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. We all need our souls to be refreshed. Are you taking time to let God refresh you? Are you pausing in your crazy, busy lives to let God sink in deeply and refresh you? When's the last time you sat down with a good friend and had lunch together? As I read this verse, I wondered if David was processing that moment when he and Nathan sat down. Now, Nathan had to take a big risk and... um, He was actually calling David out in his sin in this moment. But I'm pretty sure when David sat down, he didn't think that things were going to take that kind of turn. Nathan helped him realize that God wanted him on the right path. It was David pausing to be with someone he respected to talk to. And realized that he had gone down the wrong path. David had learned over a lifetime that following God's laws and being obedient was far better than going his own path. He had just forgotten. Who do you need to sit down with this week? Who would refresh your soul? Who would help you recalibrate your direction? I think a powerful way that we can sit with our friends who are far from God is to sit down and have a serious talk with them about where you are in life and how maybe you're off track and how you want to get back on path with God. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A very dark road David was on in that moment when his friend called him out for stealing someone else's wife. Yet he still knew God was there in that dark valley. He still knew that God was his comfort, really his only comfort in that moment. It is very typical that sheep go astray. That's why they need a shepherd. David's disobedience did not come as a surprise to God in that moment or even something not ordinary. We as humans are disobedient a lot. God was ready then. And God is ready now. Our best response in that dark valley is to look for a healthy obedience 
and dependence on God in that moment, just like sheep, just like David did. David repented for his wrongdoing and he sought after God in his very dark valley. The way the sheep are with the shepherd, if they get caught down in a very dark valley, they have to trust the shepherd in order to survive. When sheep are in dark valleys, they have to listen for the shepherd's voice. It says in scripture that sheep always recognize the shepherd's voice. Now, I didn't get close enough to that shepherd to ask that question, but I'm guessing. They know, these little sheep who don't know much, they know that they can trust their shepherd. He will protect them, he will love them, and he will get them out of all sorts of dark valleys. Now, our church word for the year is hope. In our dark valleys in life, we must cling to the hope we have in Christ. On Monday in our Board of Spiritual Life meeting, we were talking about this BLESS initiative and how are we doing? You know, like we're checking in on each other. It's, you know, it's a little bit of accountability. It's good at the leadership level. We're doing this. And Kayla, in that moment, our worship director, she, she was reflecting on the question and she said, you know what my friends need? Hope. Hope. They're posting on social media all the time about the dark valleys that they are in and they need the hope of Christ. This is an opportunity for us. Even to sit at the table with someone who is in a dark valley is important. Verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I will say I was not real excited to read this one this week, but it convicted me. One of the commentaries I read this week said that oftentimes in Scripture, the table image is used to represent salvation. Aha! A link to evangelism again. The table represents salvation. We might consider that we don't want to invite our enemies not only to eat, but also we might not want to invite our enemies into the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And I will say three weeks ago when I was deciding who was going to be on my list, I was thinking about the first couple of letters and thinking, I do not want to list, well, I'll pray for my enemy. I can do that. I don't know if I want to listen and eat with my enemy And so I'm going to be very honest with you right now. I did not write down one of the people's names that I know needs Jesus Christ desperately. But I considered him an enemy, and I didn't want to listen or eat with him. Don't worry, he doesn't go to this church. (laughs) But I was praying about it all week, and I was like, oh, do I need to go in and write it on the slip of paper? (sighs) And I really didn't get a clear sense until yesterday. And I happened to be in the same place as this person. And he called out, hey, you got a minute? Uh, yeah. And I listened to him. And I felt like it was God preparing me all week 
to be able to simply listen. That's all he was asking me to do. And to my surprise, actually, the conversation went fine, which is not usually the way it goes. And I was stunned. Now, did he ask for forgiveness and we hug and everything? No. But I did listen. And we went back and forth for a few moments. And I just knew that that was the way that God wanted it to go. He wanted me to listen in that moment. Because I'll tell you, usually when I'm around this person, it does not go well. And so I try to keep my distance. But maybe God's doing something. Maybe God's doing something in his heart and this is a part of me being present to him so that God can be known in this man's life. All week I've been drawn to the story of Jesus reinstating Peter. Jesus very easily could have written Peter off. Peter had been awful to him. Peter was one of Jesus' closest followers and in Jesus' most needed moment, He denied even knowing him. Jesus was being accused and arrested and sent to death, and Peter said he didn't know him. Yet, after the resurrection, Jesus shows up, and what does he do? He sits down and eats with him. John 21, 5, he called out to them, Friends, have you any fish? Friend? He called Peter a friend after, after denying him. No, they answered. He said, throw your net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were able to haul in the net because of the, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple who Jesus, whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. Jesus said to him, bring some fish you have just caught. And then Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. As Jesus was sitting at the table with his enemy, Jesus does something very profound in this moment. John 21:15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, "Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these?" "Yes, Lord," he said. "You know that I love you." Jesus said, "Feed my lambs." Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Peter was hurt. Well, gee whiz, what'd you do to Jesus, right? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him for the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus asked this question three times because of the three times he had denied Jesus. 
And then Jesus spoke the words of leadership over Peter. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, and feed my sheep. In my office, I've had these three little sheep for several years. And this week, they had more meaning to me. I've had them in my office to remind me of my calling. But this week, the significance became about the fact that I happen to have three of them. Do I fall short as a pastor? Yes. Do I deny Christ in my life? I'm sure I do sometimes. Do I make mistakes in ministry? For sure. Does Jesus reinstate me daily? (laughs) Absolutely. All of us are called. All of us fall short on a daily basis. All of us are reinstated daily to serve God no matter how we've messed up. And that's why I love the tail end of this verse 5. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. One of the reasons the people were um, anointed with oil in the scriptures was because God wanted them to be a leader. We see that all the way back in 1 Samuel 16 and verses 12 and 13. When we first meet our little David, the shepherd boy. So they sent for him and brought him in. He was glowing with health and fine appearance and some handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. We are all called. Now, I have loved verse 7 for years. And even when uh, Alice was reading it again, I, I was so renewed. Because some of us have counted ourselves out of leadership simply because of the way we look. Think about that for a second. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. And he was talking about one of the older brothers. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now this might be why I like this verse so much. Oh, this is what I looked like when I was called into ministry. Yes, that is a ducky dress. I don't know if you can see that. Yes, God wanted to use even her. Psalm 23, 6, surely your goodness, this is what I love about follow, following God and being anointed and letting, and letting him be the Lord of your life and live fully into your calling. Surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is what we have to offer to our friends and our family that are far from God. To live with God forever. To eat at God's salvation table. Earlier in the week, God put it on my heart that we would offer at the end of worship today that if you wanted to be anointed with oil, that it would be an option. 
If you're feeling called this morning, like something was stirred inside of you and thought, oh no, I hope she stops talking soon because I'm supposed to go do something, but I'm feeling nervous about it. Or maybe you're supposed to be recalled. That was funny. Recall. Or reinstated as a leader. So today, Pastor Scott and I, we're going to have these little bowls and we will have oil just where we're sitting, just where we're sitting. And as the last song is played today, if you feel that tug on your heart that you need to come and be anointed with oil because God is calling you into a place of leadership, we want to be able to pray for you. You can tell us in one sentence how you feel called. And it might be as simple as this. God wants me to invite a friend over for dinner. Okay, it could be as simple as that, or it can be as big as I'm quitting my day job and I'm going back to seminary or something like that. Once you've told us that quick moment of this is how I'm feeling called, and if you're not sure how you're being called, you can just come and look at us and we'll know and understand because we've sat in that place of calling before. We'll say a quick word of prayer over you. We will anoint your head with oil. And then you can feel the knowledge and knowing of feeling called into what God is calling to you, you into for your life. Now, some of you might be a little bit nervous. That is normal. Some of you might feel really compelled, and that's normal as well. If you're worried we were going to dump a whole bunch of oil on your head, we're not. We're simply going to put our thumb in a little bit of olive oil and make the sign of the cross on your forehead and pray over you. Even if you think you're too young in this room, remember David was called. If you think you're too old and you missed your calling, you are getting recalled. And God's got a plan for you. So as we go into this song, feel free to come forward, but if you're feeling too nervous about coming during the song, you can find one of us afterwards. Let's pray. God, I know that you have called this entire congregation to do your work, whether it's writing a note this week to someone who needs to know and feel your love and your heart, or if it's much bigger that someone is realizing today was the moment that they had to take that next really, really big step in their life. I ask, Lord, that you would give strength and courage to people as they are standing into that call, whatever your call is for them, and that they might know that you are anointing them today for your leadership and your service, that people might know who you are because they are going to feed your sheep. Amen.